With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Salut tout le monde. Je suis Marc Dumont. I am Marc Dumont. And we have an awesome guest tonight. I'm going to get her in, in, into the show in just one moment. Right over here, Chanel. But in the meantime, we're going to talk real quick about how fun that was for the Montreal Canadiens. I think that was one of their best starts in a really long time. We saw an excellent game from Uri Slavkovsky. I'm talking probably his best game in terms of driving the play. He was all over the ice. He was getting calls. He's going to have to keep skating when he doesn't get the call because obviously the referees are going to be a little harsher towards a rookie. But overall, you could say it might have been his best game so far. And we're saying that a lot lately. So that's encouraging. Despite the lack of production, and we all know that he has to produce more, Yuri Slavkovsky is improving. So we're going to go ahead and bring Chanel in. But before, can you guys click subscribe and click like if you, if you want? If not, I'll just... Hold a grudge for absolutely forever. In the meantime, we'll get going with Chanel. How's it going, buddy? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, I think I watched... I'm, I'm, I'm watching a team right now that's having fun. And I think you're watching a team lately that's not having too much fun. Um, I, I, real quick, and I, I know it's impossible to answer, but what the heck is going on with Seattle this year? I think we need to sage the building when we get back home. Uh, it's... It's very strange. I mean, we got we got rid of a lot of really uh, strong pillars on the team over the summer. So I think that that had a surprising effect, given that we do have a fair amount of veterans on the team. Yeah. But I think we lost a little bit of our, our middle ground leadership and guys like Donato. Um, I honestly thought he was going to be captain one day. So when he was gone, it was soul crushing on so many different levels. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a a bit of a, a, a rewind of sorts to, yeah. to year one and everybody knows how that went. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm hoping we get a wild card spot, but if they play like this during wild card time, I don't know that I want to watch that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think it's fair because also when I was watching Seattle last year, all I could think is, holy crap, they work hard. Like these, they were working harder than all their opponents. And tonight, Again, it was just one game, but I was seeing guys like uh, Matt Matt Berniers that was fancy plays that were giving up the puck. So it feels like they kind of got away from their 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 hundred percent effort every night. How's the coach reacting to this? It's it's interesting. Some people, I mean, I've heard 
you know, what everybody else hears about wondering if he still has the room and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I think it can be challenging when you have such a, a weird start with, you know, crappy circumstances. And then the second year, like you said, it was very business and uh, professional and, and hardworking, like you said. So to go from that to then this again, it's kind of like, you know, where is the root of the problem? Is it just that a lot of our, our star players right now are injured too? Like we have some of that going on. Um, it's hard to say. I would hope that he still has it together in there. I think, you know, sometimes it's it's easy to get complacent in both ways. If you're doing so well all the time, you might take it for granted. And if you're in a slump and just can't get out of it, you know, it depends. But a lot of our games have gone to overtime. So it's not that we can't get to that point of coming back because mm -hmm. it's usually when we've fallen behind. But um, it doesn't matter unless you win. So that's always, always the key. It, the biggest thing that I noticed was, hey, listen, the Montreal Canadiens start very poorly this year. They're, they get outscored constantly. And... For the first time in a very long time, the Habs held the control in that first period. So that was, it was surprising. It was good news for the Habs. Obviously, not great news for the Seattle Kraken. Um, yes, Trinka mentioned Superstar Chanel's here. Absolutely. I'm going to ask her every time the Habs play the Kraken. Um, or maybe any other game too. Do you want to just be my co-host from here on in? Is that okay? That's fine with me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I guess we have to split the money though. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. We'll we see, have we'll see. <laughs> we have Jean Smalls in the chat saying hi, Claire. Claire, who I also should say hi, Claire, was actually at the game. I believe that's her third game in a row and the first win. So good for Claire. She got to watch Josh Anderson score a goal. Isn't Regardless of the fact that he hasn't scored this year, this is just good for the team. You saw Anderson was a little embarrassed, right? But the team was so happy. You know, this guy wants to score goals with a goalie in there. But just that that lift for the team, you could see everyone was so happy. And now we can kind of stop talking about it as much. So I was really happy for Josh Anderson. Um, yeah, as Trizak mentions, his last goal was an empty netter. Last year, his last goal was an empty netter. Back to back. I mean, I, I don't believe in, in that kind of stuff, but we might say it's magic right now. Also, I want to hear what everyone thought about Yuri Slavkovsky. I'm going to ask Chanel about it in just one moment, but there was this big debate today. Byron Bader, um, really good guy, he tweeted out, hey, listen, Slavkovsky is not producing much right now, and historically, for a first-round pick, that's not great. He's right. Now, fans turned around and said, hey, he's improving. The fans are right too. So we're right in that stage where historically his numbers aren't good enough, but we're seeing stuff like tonight, Chanel, we saw him drive the net. We saw him draw penalties. Um, we saw him pull a Kovalev, you know, pin down the puck, get it to Suzuki. I thought, I might be a homer, but I thought Yuri Slavkovsky had a pretty good game. What was your opinion on him? Yeah, I definitely noticed, obviously on the broadcast, I was listening to the, to the Kraken one and yeah. We're hearing his name all the time, and obviously he was all over the place tonight. And I, I think when he was drafted or whatever, I, I don't know. He something about him made me want to like follow him on this on this journey. So of of all the ones you could mention, I at least know who this one is. So that's good for us. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was he was everywhere tonight. And I yeah. think that once you get out of that space where, you know, kind of just letting the noise go and just get into your own rhythm i do think the good things follow that so he's getting into that i would say it's it's been a similar issue with maddie this year just yeah. sort of having his own struggles and i think maybe even coming off of last season with an injury and the playoff stuff and just it was a really tough 
first year and with all the pressure he had it was not nearly you know to the, the Bedard level but it's definitely the same thing where it's like high draft pick a lot of pressure is on you a new organization all the things so I definitely can understand where it's hard to to know when it's like okay you have to be good because you were chosen at this level and all these different things and everything like that but I think, you know, it's a little bit about rhythm too, like getting back into the swing of things. So I was really happy for, for your guys' sake that he was getting out there and, and getting after it. So, yeah. It's the most encouraging thing, in my opinion, is that Martin Saint-Louis, for the longest time, even if you'd give Slavkovsky a promotion, when the game was online, he'd drop him out. Like, even if he was in the first, second, third line, he'd go straight to the fourth line and get benched. Now we're seeing him use him uh, in overtime. He used him in the shootout the other night. He's using him in the third period. So... As Chanel mentions, it's it's that rhythm, keeping that rhythm going. And, and he's had little to no consistency in the NHL. So it's really hard to blame Slavkovsky for the development. And that's what I was trying to communicate to Habs fans. It's not that Slavkovsky has necessarily made the wrong decisions or whatnot. It's Canadians management rushed him into the NHL. And this is what you get, right? You get a guy that's learning on the job. So it's a different situation than, for example, Shane Wright, who... He's about a point per game in the AHL right now, eh, Chanel? Uh, Shane Wright, yeah, he's, 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 he's like, like yeah. He's been playing, has yeah. he been playing well? That's my, I haven't had a chance to watch him. Like, what's the word on Shane um, Wright right now? I, I don't even know for certain, to be honest with you. I don't. It's, the points are like, there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, I think it's just been a, a wonky year for everybody right now with, with the whole season so far, which is, is sad to say since, there's so many more games to be played, but yeah. Knowing their history, I, I, if Seattle gets back to their, again, watching them last year, they were so quick on the puck, so efficient. It was that it epitomized a team with no real stars, but they're going to outwork you. And actually, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what the Habs want to do, maybe maybe with a little more talent. But to get back to it, um, really, the whole lack of consistency so far has not been on Safkowski. He's not the one that forced himself in the NHL. He's not the one who didn't send himself to the Laval Rocket. He's not the one who didn't who decided not to go to the World Juniors. Uh, he's not the one that was getting benched when the game was on a line. So within all this, I think we probably have to admit that the Habs kind of fumbled it at first. But we're seeing key improvements. And tonight, especially, I know there was no points, but he was using his big boy frame. Or as Benoit Brunet would say, it's son gros bonhomme. And uh, that is sure to put a smile, not just on Martin Saint-Louis' face, but on Kent Hughes' face. So all in all, I'd say even with no points, I don't know if the chat agrees with me. I thought it was I thought it was his best game. And and if we go back in the last 10 games, Slavkovsky has been the best player, maybe five or six out of them. So that is absolutely a uh, fantastic uh, uh, step, let's say, in Slavkovsky's development. Uh, so... Yes, as Frédéric Ouellette mentioned, Slav will be all right. I'm sure he will as well, too. The other thing we have to keep in mind, it wasn't the strongest draft. So you weren't getting an NHL-ready player no matter what. I know some people said Shane Wright was ready. I disagreed at the time. But anyways, you weren't getting a guy that was going to come right into the NHL. So that's the confusing part of why they pushed him into the NHL. As a project, we know it takes a little bit longer. So, you know, we really can't, uh, we really can't worry right now the lack of production historically it's bad but he is improving so consider this maybe his d1 or his because his his last year to me was just thrown out there was no value to that development uh, um 
Oh, Melissa, you were at the games? Laugh on the first line. And power play one. Yeah, yeah. And power play one. That is very important that Melissa Fournier-Martinez mentions. He was getting the prime time. And, and I think the best play, other than pinning the puck, was when he drove to the net, got that call. It led to the Monaghan goal. Without that play, the Habs, it's 2-2 going into overtime. So I really, really thought that was fantastic. Chanel, we have a question here from Trizak. First of all, have you been to the Bell Center? I need to do a tour to Canada at some point in my life. I've not been to Canada before. I'm dying to go. I need to go. I need to go everywhere, honestly. Absolutely. Um, there's a, there's a ton of arenas I need to check out, but I have not been yet, but I want to. Well, because Trizak here has a question about accessibility, and we can talk about maybe other arenas you've been to. Me personally, I have a slight amount of knowledge about the Bell Center accessibility. Um, they do have a fair amount of place for um, uh, wheelchairs and whatnot, and it is all flat. So now mm -hmm. the elevators are well suited as well. But then the, the minor things, which you would pick up on, uh, mm -hmm. I can't talk about. I do remember one at the beginning when I was doing shows for the Habs. They got me to film in the section where all the wheelchairs would go, but they they told them to stay out of the section. And that really, I, I begged the Habs. I said, we have to change this because mm -hmm. not only do, do we... Do, we, do they have just one of the most difficult lives in terms of accessibility? Now I'm telling them to wait outside while we film. So the Habs <laughs> yeah. changed it, though. They were good about it. What's your What's been your experience? For example, you were in Boston recently. How's the arena there? Yeah, so so I live here and I go to I, the other team's games a lot. I don't want to mention that name on this broadcast in particular, given our history together. But um, I, uh, as some people who may, who may know, I was in studio at the garden um, for a segment so literally cool. last night. That was um, so cool. And even with that, it was interesting. My aunt made a comment like, oh, you know, like you're going on there, talk about accessibility and stuff like that. And um, the the normal broadcast desk, um, people stand typically to, to do the show. So they, it's like tall. It's it's you know almost a little under bar height. And when I got into the studio, I, I looked over at it, and just with my eyes, I knew that my chair was too short to make that work in a comfortable way. I was more gonna be like this, like uh, eye level, <laughs> um, in a bad way for yeah. me to to do that. So um, we had to do like a little bit of a workaround to make that work. But they seemed prepared, even though it was, it was not ideal circumstances. Um. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. A lot of these arenas were built before I was born, some of them. And um, in that case, we're working with old buildings. And we need to, you know, do more things like making sure that uh, your circumstance doesn't happen where they're filming in a, in a, in a space that has space. But mm -hmm. there's a reason why that space is there. You know, like it's not just for for media stuff. Um, so it's, it's it depends on, on what's going on. I mean, I... I went to the league office too a couple like a year ago or so, and um, their check-in desk felt like it was as tall as one of the skyscrapers in the city. So it was hard to get their attention at that. And if I didn't have my mom and other people with me, I don't know if I would have ever been seen by somebody to get up to the office. So there's a lot of stuff like that that is just existing, and it takes people like myself going out there and saying like, "Hey, like." not the best like is there you know one that we can have just one shorter option just in case we need one because i even looked around last night and i was i took a picture of it but 
there's a bar right outside the studio we recorded in mm. where there was one section that was like actually cut out and significantly shorter. Like it looked like it was on purpose. So I was like, okay, so somebody was thinking when they did that. And I've never seen that in a traditional bar either. So it no. was really cool to see, but on the side of the media, it just it made it very clear that that space is not typical for someone like me to be in. Yeah, and that would be Jean Small, who's in our chat right now, I mentioned he's a quadriplegic, and he says the Bell Center has great accessibility. So obviously, we'll take Jean's word for it. My experience is that they actually do a pretty good job, and especially if you need any kind of uh, extra services, the Habs are actually very, very good when it comes to it. But for example, and this is why I'm not great to talk about it, as you mentioned the media part, there's absolutely no chance that anyone with any kind of accessibility issue would be able to watch the game from the press box. And I just realized yeah. now, and that's, it just goes to show how I don't think about these things. I was <laughs> yeah, thinking yeah. about the VIP section stuff, but yeah, so it, it shows that teams have a long way to go. Um, but you, you've consulted, for example, you consulted, was, was it with Seattle when they were building the yep, arena? Yeah, yeah. Did they take those opinion, not opinions, those, those that, that, that consulting to heart? Did they actually put that into application? Yeah, absolutely. Because mm. um, ironically, the the building, um, one of the construction managers who oversaw a lot of the construction was um, disabled himself. Okay. And so although it wasn't like, you know, he's not going in there top of mind to make sure it's 100% accessible. But I think him having his position and me having my position, it was definitely like, okay, like what is sort of your your overall goals of having an accessible building. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you do get the chance to go, it's very spacious. Only pro I mean, it's a circle. So like, luckily every time I got lost, I would eventually <laughs> find my way back. Do the um, but it, it's very spacious, very flat and a lot of room. And just, you know, to me, I felt like they had taken a lot into mm. consideration. And my friend and I, who um, we did a construction tour right before it opened and, we walked through it and we were in the suites and I was just like looking around and um, he's in a wheelchair and he, I turned around cause he was like at the sink and he was like, look, like we can, we can both use this sink. He was so excited. And I think that that goes to show just how little we're asking for, you know, like a sink that we can roll under that if we can roll under it, you could walk on it and it'd be fine. You know, the universal accessibility is so important for everybody to, to benefit from it. And that was just such a, funny and special moment that we both had yeah I, I mean if anyone wants to get just a slight idea next time you're walking anywhere look at all the let's say when i was doing flooring so the connecting pieces so if there's any kind of bumper there's any kind of step anything like that just keep that in mind that that is that will stop anyone that has accessibility issues or make it more difficult on them so it's 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 really hard for people that uh that that aren't in that circumstance to really picture it but little little things i'm talking about a little riser between two two uh ceramic tiles can actually put an end to to anyone's enjoyment so i'm very glad teams are hopefully as the arenas come up this will be something to keep in mind it's as you mentioned just the smallest thing being able to wash mm -hmm. your hands right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just going to the bathroom no problem yeah so it's yeah. uh we're, we're glad they're making some strides and obviously we're glad that you're uh, absolutely part of it. Yeah, as Trinka mentions, all, any eyes on accessibility is better than no eyes. Um, yes, but if we're being honest, it's probably one of the issues as us as a society we've ignored the most. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just think of it right now. 
in Canada, you, you right now in Montreal, if you have any accessibility issues, you can't leave your house just because of the snow yeah. and whatnot, right? So yeah. we, we really need, as a society, to do a much better job. And thankfully, there are people like uh, uh, Chanel here to, uh, to help us out. Uh, Sebastian Jackson's in the chat. How's it going, Sebastian? Evening all. Here for my Queen Chanel. Okay, so I'm just, I'm just chop liver. <laughs> Is that it? Fine. I'm so confused. <laughs> I, I don't know why you guys like like you're being so nice to me, and I, I appreciate it. Well, you're a great person, and you help improve our sport. And in a sport that needs a lot of improvement, uh, that is very necessary. So people absolutely <laughs> appreciates you. Um, I want to see if Kay wants to go to prom with you. If she, what? No, no, leave Kay alone, Sebastian. She's she's not gonna go to prom with you. Um, Jean Small mentions, and this is I. I I know now because he mentions it, the Bell Center has accessible bathrooms near near the wheelchair sections. That's great. And I've seen it before, but it never actually registered. So it just goes to show that uh, you really need to pay a little more attention. Or it's very easy for me, for example. That's I'm very privileged in the sense that I didn't have to pay attention to it. So, Chanel, I'd like to get your opinion on this. The Montreal Canadiens are in the middle of a rebuild, but they've reached the point where people are starting to get annoyed at, at maybe some lack of improvements. I mean, they're getting annoyed at the coach. They're getting annoyed at, at the captain. They're getting annoyed at Cole Caulfield, the best sniper. From your outside perspective, how would you how would you judge this rebuild for the Habs? Is it a case where they, they, they should be critical or is it just Habs fans being Habs fans and just being way too intense about everything hockey? Um, it's funny because before we, we got on tonight, earlier today, I looked at both of our team's records, and they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're tech, we are not marketing ourselves like we're in the middle of the rebuild. So <laughs> I don't know if that's good for you and very <laughs> bad, bad for, for me yeah. or bad for me and good for you. I don't know. I think it's tough. I think there hasn't been, you know, there's a lot of recent synergy, but the synergy behind like Caulfield and everything happened, you know, almost three years ago now. So I think it's okay to be, um, get the itch a little bit, yeah. like you want something to go right, um, and you want to keep keep the positivity going. But I think you know we're in a similar position where it's like it's getting hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we'll get a win, and it'll be a hard fought win, but the next time we go out, ah, we lose again. So it's like it's just this like tug of war of like you know we want to make sure that we're not getting complacent and we're not just giving up and i don't think that we are i mean we came within one you know the last couple of minutes of the game tonight but i i think any time that you're in a situation like you guys are or even the kraken right now um it's okay to get frustrated i think when you don't have a clear answer to what could fix it and it, if it you know if they are saying like we're in the middle of a rebuild i think you have to temper it with your expectations too, but it, it can get hard. I mean, I totally understand where they're coming from. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's okay to expect the best from your team, yes. but I think when you're known, you're, you're in a knowing position of, of it being in a rebuild, I think you also have to remind yourself sometimes that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to win every game and you're not going to be, you know, number one, your division this year. And that's okay. As long as, as long as you make the playoffs, um, I think you're okay. Because you never know. It turns into the Wild West during those times. It's, it's you know, no one knows what's going to happen during that time. A wise and nuanced take that I'm sure 
most people will ignore because fans don't do nuance. That's, 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 that was way too smart of an answer. Sorry, Chanel. We're just going to throw that away. But no, I mean, okay, I, I get it. <laughs> I always mention, <laughs> hey, listen, it's better to have people upset or annoyed um, than not care at all. Right. And that, that's that's right. you know, that's the crux of being a Montreal Canadiens is that a member of the Canadiens is it's, there's no in the middle. Right. It's it's either happy or unhappy. And um, that's a good thing. You want people caring. As the day's end mentions, you know, Montreal has a lot of good going for it. Be patient. Yes. You're looking at a guy like Lane Hudson who could be a dominant forward. We're looking at a couple pieces that are ready next year. Owen Beck, Joshua Roy. Um, but at the same time, you, we, we, there's a legitimate concern about the high-end talent on the Canadian. So if they want to succeed, I think last year's Seattle Kraken is a pretty darn good example of how hard they have to work. Tonight, we saw Uri Slavkovsky work as if he was playing for Seattle last night. We saw Cole Caulfield on the forecheck. Um, defensively, we saw Jaden Struble, and I'd love to get people's opinion on Struble, but he's been excellent since he's joined the league. Out of nowhere, quick, efficient, simple passes. And going back to the Kraken thing, that's what they did so well last year. First on the puck, quick passes. And we're seeing Jaden Struble, sixth game in the NHL, and he, or seventh, and he looks like a a 10-year veteran so that's encouraging as well sebastian jackson says just wait another two years and mcdavid signs in montreal <laughs> i'm not sure mcdavid would sign here um but i will say this maybe the oilers should acquire a goalie i, I don't think they're as excited as they were a couple weeks ago but uh you can't you can't let chanel i think it's a sin for the oilers not to acquire a goalie in this situation i don't know what your take is on it but you have two of the best players how can you not go out and get a goalie? You know, as long as it's not Jeremy Swayman, they can have whatever goalie <laughs> they want. Um, he's got to stay in Boston? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah he, there's over my dead body, but other than him, you go after it, get, get your guy, mm. figure it out. Hopefully that's what it is, and that's all that it is. Um, but again, I've, I've been saying to my friends this whole season, it's so like a weird weird season mm -hmm. for everybody not not a standout one like i mean it makes sense that the knights started off hot it did not make sense that the bruins started off hot everybody was predicting them to to be mm -hmm. you know floundering jersey and mess just and, fell out of the standings yeah to buffalo and that right. like what's going on i feel like every time i check the scores and i'm like in the sharks game last night was also wild against the rangers like <laughs> such a high scoring game and um, yeah, I feel like this season is on something. I don't want to be on whatever it is on, but it's <laughs> just been quite it's been deranged, honestly. Yeah. So I do feel for the Oilers, but if they don't get their guy, that's 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 their problem. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you have, I think Dreisaitl is right up there with, I mean, top five in the league. So I, I, I feel mm -hmm. like that would be a sin to let it go. Um, Alec uh, Alexandre Christian or Christian mentions uh, to me it's just hard to keep optimistic with all the freak injuries. Uh, I agree, and this is something that mm -hmm. when people so what happened, Chanel? I'm not sure if you know. This summer, the Habs essentially changed all their their medical staff. They fired their longtime um, uh, athletic therapist Graham Ryan They asked Mr. Doctor Mulder to retire like gracefully, you know, they couldn't fire him because he's one of the most respected doctors <laughs> in the world, but he quietly took his retirement. And then people kind of said, Hey, look, our injuries are over. They aren't. The Habs are still the most injured team in the league by a wide margin. And as Alexandre mentions, it's freak injuries, but I think there's something to be said about listen, 
When you go and get Kirby Doc, he had injury issues. When you go get Sean Monahan, he had injury issues. Alex Newhook, there are guys that aren't the most structurally sound players in the NHL, if we want to put it that way. So as much as it's been a freak injury, the reason you got Sean Monahan, or you got paid to take Sean Monahan, the reason you got Kirby Doc for, for a first and or whatever it was, essentially Romanov, is because they have a history of injury. So it's to be expected in a certain you know, to a certain extent, you can't just uh, get it, keep getting cheap reclamation projects and expect them to always stay healthy. That being said, Alexander is right. They have been freak injuries, so we're not going to worry about that too, too much. Um, the days and hey, we have a Bechavin fan in here. I'm always defending Chanel. I'm always defending Marc Bechavin here. And it's weird because I was his biggest critic. Um, <laughs> but he said, I think Bechavin never got his flowers to Foley and Dano were studs from Montreal. Hey, listen, Marc Bechavin did a lot of good. He did a lot of bad too, but Arbor Jackai out of nowhere getting claiming Montembeau, who's now their starting goalie, drafting Gouli, drafting Caulfield, trading for Nick Suzuki. Um, Struble was under him as well. Harris was under him as well. Like, I, I understand that it ended poorly, but he didn't trade away all their prospects. We spoke to Prasanth yesterday or two days ago, and he was mentioning every other team got a worse deal than Kent Hughes did. When a GM leaves, he usually throws everything at the wall trying to make it stick, and Marc Bergevin did not do that. So we're going to end the Marc Bergevin praise segment because uh, there were a lot of bad decisions at the end when, you know, signing Dvorak or getting Dvorak for what... A, first rounder and a second rounder, et cetera, Hoffman. But as it goes, historically speaking, Marc Bergevin left the Habs in a pretty good situation. It's just long contracts, which were the issue. But if you're not Seattle and you're not Las Vegas, every GM is going to come in and take have bad contracts from the previous guy. So kind of, you know, you look at Seattle's pay structure. They're not going wild for too, too, too many years. They're keeping it simple. And that's kind of what the new NHL is. You're not going to be seeing as many eight-year contracts and whatnot. And I doubt we saw... Hughes is great at signing contracts and he's keeping them in the same time frame, you know, two, four years, and then you can reevaluate. So as bad as, as, as people think Benjamin was, I'd say he was above average as a GM. So that's, that, that's my take on it. And I know it's funny because again, I'm the guy who criticized him to no end uh, while he was there, but um, I, I, I'm not sure how much better Kent Hughes is. Let's just put it that way. Um, Sebastian Jackson mentions, don't sleep on Cédric Guindon. Hey, listen, as a Franco-Ontarian, so I was born in East Ontario. There's about a million of us, actually, uh, Francophones that come from Ontario. But I was too French for my city and not French enough over here. Obviously, my French has improved since I moved back to a, a Francophone city. But um, I will always hype any French-Canadian prospect. So don't worry about that, Sebastian. I love Cédric Guindon. He didn't even get a vote in our top 10 for the Habs prospects. I still threw him in there. As soon as like the fans got their vote, as soon as I took over, boom, I slotted him 10th. Smart player, really smart player, playing for Owen Sound right now. He's a uh, just a cerebral forward that makes a lot of great plays. So absolutely, do not sleep on Cédric Guindon. Use your bed, it'll be more comfortable. Oh, okay, fine. I didn't deserve a laugh on that. Uh, if you have any questions, do not hesitate. Throw them in the chat. We are talking with Chanel right now, who's actually in Boston, but she does follow the Seattle Kraken. Can you, have you been following Boston close this year yeah if anything they're my they're my primary team um and my comfort team during this treacherous time as a cracking fan so. <laughs> i love that yeah. treacherous hey listen there's a lot if history is any indication there's a lot more pain to come when it comes to teams not doing so great but 
what's going on in Boston right now? Um, that start was great, but now it kind of feels like the wheels fell off a little bit. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, we're we're getting back into it. We don't, you know, the longest streak we go of losing is three games, and then um, then we get it together. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, have recently pointed out that again, like uh, no one would have suspected that they would have had the start that they did. No. Um, you take account all the changes that have happened. Um, you know, with Bergeron leaving and Martian, like I cannot. I'm sure all of the chat can relate, but I cannot calculate the fact that Marchand is the captain. Like it does not make sense <laughs> know, to right? me. <laughs> I um, it, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I had a lot of people like, but you know, like he worked really hard for it. He definitely earned it. Like he, you know, it was always like second up after Fergie. But honestly, I thought that I might see a Charlie McAvoy one, which for might not future. make sense to yeah. everybody. Um, given he also has a, he, he he has a little bit of the body he forgets it's like a dog sometimes when dogs don't know their own strengths and they like think that they're a lap dog but they're not they're like you know two you know they're like hundred pounds <laughs> like no dude like you're you're not anymore like then you're big now I think sometimes Charlie gets in trouble because he throws the body a little bit too much and I know that he can be a problem for other teams but I kind of saw him as um kind of. I don't know. I think he'll definitely maybe become one down the line, depending on how long he's with us. But I thought maybe one of the other Charlies, it was a, it was a, a war between which Charlie was going to become captain. I thought Pasta could too, but I thought that that might be a little too much pressure on him. Um, I don't know. I, I think Marchand definitely deserves it in a lot of ways. Yeah, but, but part of me felt like he couldn't maintain his menace behavior if he's the captain now. And that can be a hard adjustment. Um, and I know he's not perfect for everybody, but it's just one of those things where, you know, I kind of wanted Marchand to be able to be Marchand. And I think he's like stuck in this thing where he's like, I am that person now. I cannot be like that even in, you know, even in just the silly ways I used to. And so trying to find that balance is has been quite a difficult time for him. And I think he's finally starting to come to everything. And and like we said, like consistency is so important. So they're they're coming back. They're doing well. I think they're gonna be just fine. Um it you know we had some injuries too and also we took a bit of a nosedive after um, the Luch stuff came out, which I think rightfully so. It was a very mm. tough situation for everybody. And to have to pivot back into business mode after something so tragic um, is really is tough. And I don't think anybody in the league accounts for that type of thing to happen in your organization. I don't know what kind of like care they have for the players for that as well, because I think that that can be a really sobering moment for everybody. Um, but they kind of like took their initial dip right after that happened they won the first hmm. game when it was announced but after that i kind of like huh. you know i think there was some some late reaction to it so that's interesting i don't know i think we we're heading back on the better trajectory but it was looking a little tough for a couple of games there i you know i had the same reaction for example the habs were looking for a captain and a lot of people are su suggesting brendan gallagher and you know what it, i had the same argument as you like yeah <laughs> he deserves it but this is Brendan Gallagher we're talking about, you know. So yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, and and, and you know the the they decided to go another way and I think it's it's best because he gets to wear the A but he also gets to act like an A, you know. So right. it's it's the best of both worlds for uh for Brendan Gallagher and you know when you mentioned that the dog thing, I I always say Kirby Doc 
once in a while, every 10 games, he realizes he has a, a Clifford the dog type advantage over people and he can just like <laughs> chuck them out of the way. But I'm with yeah. you. McAvoy's a little bit like that uh, as well. But hey, you know, Chanel, this is, that's a great point. And as Melissa mentions, great point there about the whole Lucic thing. I hadn't even thought about it. Um, I think that's where Bergeron was missed the most. Because we saw mm-hmm. last year, especially with the, the Mitch Miller stuff, yeah. Bergeron basically said, like, no, fuck no, we're not, we don't deal with that kind of crap here. That's not what we do. Yeah. You know, we're a family, we're a team. So I, I feel like they missed Bergeron there a little bit this year. Absolutely. And it was, it was tough to watch them answer questions about that because it was, it, you know, obviously a totally different situation. But as recent memory, like mm-hmm. with the Blackhawks thing, it's like, okay, we're going to put out a statement, but then we're not going to, we can't answer questions further about it, you know? And then um, when Monty did his press conference the first day, he was like, I'm just going to start with a statement. And then I, you know, I'll answer some, but I, you know, can't answer everything. And, and there were a couple of questions in the very beginning that he did end up answering. Um, but one was just like, you know, have you talked to him recently? And he said, no. And just like, he, it was just, again, it, you don't, I think, you sort of prepare for those types of situations where you're like, eh, like, like we don't want to put too much stake in it. We're never going to need it. And then you find yourself in there. And I think, again, like, as you said, because of the Mitchell Miller thing happening so recently at, in hockey time, it feels like it was 12 years ago, but it was just around this time last year, um, if not in November, that we had to deal with this. And they have an even shorter leash of not being able to screw this one up. So there is no proper protocols. Everybody knows there is no domestic There's policy. None. It's the only, it's the only league in the, in, in that has no domestic uh, abuse yep, policy, it's, right? It's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. It's incredibly embarrassing. It's scary. Um, for for me, just to think about that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have not had a lot of personal interactions with players, but I have more so with their partners, ironically. And so I always think of them during these situations where it's like this is happening and, and they're not protected, you know, and that's terrifying. Um, so it's a it's a rough situation. But yeah, we definitely I feel like missed Bergie during that time. I know that him and Marsh caught up a couple of days ago. Um, and I think they're still in contact oh. constantly. So I, I do think there's a bit of that going on. But I think from Bergie's perspective, he's probably like, you know, like let him figure this out. Like he's had a lot of years of like, hopefully he took some notes from him. But I think it's trying to find that balance of being like a mentor now instead of, you know, being the roles are reversing a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. so it's difficult. Yeah. And this is how you grow, right? Like um, Suzuki got hit right off the bat. Um, one of the trainers who I love, um, Pierre uh, Gervais, wrote a book essentially saying, like, just slamming a bunch of ex-coaches. And he's not a real, uh, he got, like, he got it pulled out of him. He's more of a guy that just wants to go to the forest and hunt, and I totally get that. But the book mm-hmm. came out, and Slavkovsky, uh, sorry, uh, Suzuki handled it quite well, but you could tell it wasn't the easiest thing for him, right? Young guy, like, hey, defend the organization now, even though you don't know what's happening. Right. So. A little bit like Marchand also has a lot more experience, but um, it's the kind of situations where captains learn. So that is yeah. absolutely uh, fantastic, you know, in that sense. I have a question for you because Trizak or was it Trinka? Sorry, I, <laughs> this is so mean, but I, my brain has this issue where I will melt any like r- even close names together. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know why it is, but that's just <laughs> how it goes. So we have Trinka here and Trizak who are two people that are always in our chat. Fantastic. We love them. 
but I just I just kind of accuse one of doing something that the other does. So that's my <laughs> standard. So who asked for the trade? It was it was Tris. Like, okay, I'm going to throw a trade at you. Do you think the Bruins would be willing to pay up for a center? Because I know we talked about that coming into the year. No centers. But like a guy like Christian Dvorak that can basically do your penalty kill and third line center. Would you... Would you think that do you think the Bruins would pony up for a center right now because they have to kind of go for it, right? Or are they are they happy with what they've had so far this year? I uh, I don't know. I I think it depends on who they would have to give up. It's yeah. I think I think it's one of those things where we'll find out during you know trade deadline season. Mm-hmm. Um we always seem to pick up someone really important. They made big that. moves like, last year. Right. And so, like, on the one hand, like, you'll hear a name that you've never heard in your life. But, like, one of the the couple years ago, one of those guys was Nick Foligno. And he, like, put his or, put the organization on his back a lot of the times just with his presence. And, you know, he wasn't, like, a 30-goal scorer whatsoever. But he was that presence that, although Bergie was in the room still, it was very much needed to have that positivity and that that work ethic, and I think we'll probably pick up somebody like that down the line, or someone we need, or a, you know, anyone that is is on a bit of a heater that we can afford. They can afford um, yeah, but it big really big. depends because we're not going to give up anybody substantial just for the heck of it. And I think if we think we can work with the assets that we have, I don't know. I don't know if we take the risk in this position where it's like what we got here like i don't really know if we need to like put all of our chips on the table especially with how last year went just you know you <laughs> can do everything part, eh? right and yeah. at the end it doesn't matter unless you win so yeah it's a crap shoot that's that's the that's the risk you know it's funny because i think if we look at historically people that added the deadline almost never win that's the crazy part about spending yeah. first round picks but if you're a gm and you have you know your team's doing well and it's kind of at the end of the run it's very tempting i would say Sean Monahan would look fantastic in a Bruins jersey, but Sean Monahan would look fantastic in a Kraken jersey. He would look fantastic, <laughs> and he's making less than two million this year. So he's the type of guy that the Bruins might look at and say, "Hey, we can afford him. Like he can slide in here, and we can get other players." And uh, who knows? Maybe if Seattle's looking to add, I'm, I'm the salesman on this show, but I will note for once, I have not traded a goalie yet. So please, please remember that for <laughs> once, I trade a goalie every show. Um, Okay, Chanel, we're gonna wrap up because I've held your 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 I've held you way too long. We 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 we're very happy you're here, but I know I know we all have things to do. If everyone could uh, click like on the channel, I'd appreciate it. I have a question for you. One last question. It's coming from uh, Trinka. First of all, okay, he wants to know your favorite Boston Bruin of all time. It could be did Mickey Redmond play for the? No, I don't I don't know. It could be uh, anyone. Your favorite Kraken player. That's not a ton of choices there. And do you have a favorite Habs player or not? Because I know some people love the Habs. Other people, it's um, anyone but the Habs, ABC, anyone but the Canadians. So who's your favorite Bruin of all time? Okay, my favorite Bruin of all time. Well, here's here's what magical thing the universe gave me. The universe gave me Morgan Geeky as a Kraken, and then they gave me Morgan Geeky as a Bruin. As a Bruin, nice. Um, I think Matty Beniers, though. Uh, yeah? Uh, this is tough. It it's is. Tough. It's tougher than you would think, even though they're having a tough time right now. I, I do love a lot of guys over there, so it's really tough. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, I think it might be Maddie because he's a local kid. He's from Massachusetts, so definitely have to go with Maddie for the Kraken. What about the Habs? Um, Do you have any Habs it... that you like at all? <laughs> well, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll <laughs> get there. Bruins, um, Patrice, obviously, till I die. Um, my first ever like favorite Bruin that got me into the sport was Chris Kelly, though, and now he's on the bench, so that's wow. really surreal. It makes me feel old, even though I know that I'm young. Um, my favorite hab of all time was P.K. Subban, which is not popular because he we hated him as Bruins fans. But I, Massachusetts you know, native. to me, wow. yeah, you can't yeah, say that. It, you can't say that. <laughs> I, I know it's it's tough, but I really loved him growing up. I thought, you know, it, he was just the before Galley, he was like the Brad Marchand of the team, and it just felt like they were very similar, which was always funny that like they had those like fun little pokey personalities and knew how to get under people's skins, but also incredibly talented. And I think as long as you can back it up, you can be like that. Mm -hmm. um, and he was definitely like that when he was ab. So yeah, I, I definitely think, PK. I think that in his, it's the same sense. It was the same sense in Montreal. They loved, like the Bruins were such a perfect villain for Montreal. And with, yeah. with without the villains, like the Marchands and the PK Subans and, you know, there's no rivalry. There's no excitement. So right. as much you you bring up a really great point. As much as the opposite teams hated that guy for both mm -hmm. sides, without them we wouldn't have had the amazing hockey. That's 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 pretty much uh, how it goes. <laughs> oh, Trizak says, um, "We'll we'll take you if you get kicked out for that PK Subban take. Well, you can come you can come to Montreal and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll take you in." Uh, Chanel loves the rat. Hey, listen, everybody loves the rat. I will say this. Brad Marchand is a blessing to the sport, to the media, and to the fans. NHL needs so many more villains, and Brad Marchand plays that to a T. Take Brad mm -hmm. Marchand out of this, and it's it's important that he's very good, too. He's not just a jerk yes. on the ice. He scores goals. So yes. He epitomizes the guy you love to hate, and we need more guys like Brad Marchand in the NHL. But as Bernardo mentions... You still remember the PK hit on Brad Marchand. I think we all remember that. That was mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful hit. I don't know if you watch it every week, Chanel, but I do. <laughs> okay, I'm going to toss Chanel's Twitter in here so everyone in the chat can follow her. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, I do, again, Chanel, will you come back on the show? Absolutely. I had so much fun, and your, your audience is so nice. That was really nice. So. They are. Anytime. I, I will say our greatest asset is not me or Andrew. It's obviously our community. We have, we have a great community and it's built on people that are open-minded and caring and supporting and they kind of just love the sport. So Chanel brings it all home right now. I'm going to say thank you so much to everyone that was watching. And it's not just this game. It's every single game. For those that are listening on the podcast, because we're getting a ton of downloads lately and I do appreciate that, uh, you can follow Chanel on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash uh, Chanelli39, but there's two L's, so it's C-H-A-N-E-L-L-Y 37. Not, did I say 39? It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Wait. Numbers are hard, Chanel. Numbers, Numbers are, hard. are hard. Numbers are hard. It's okay. So that's twitter.com slash C-H-A-N-E-L-L-Y 37. <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got Ooh. it. As uh, as we're going to finish it out by just a couple more comments. The PK hit on Marchand is high as an all-time best moment for Melissa. Hey, 
It, it's right up there. My favorite hit of all time is when Larry Robinson rocked Gary Dornhofer. And that was the end, essentially, of the Philadelphia Flyers being a goon show. So that, to me, was just the best hit of all time. That hit by Subban, it cut the audio somehow in the Bell Center. So, you know, it was that uh, that great. And finally, Trizak mentions that hit will be in my w- wedding vows. Don't ask how. Yeah, I was just about to ask how. Are you going to project it in the background? I like it. I like it. That's exactly what I would do. And, and you know what? Um, it's a good reminder that we need entertaining people in the league like P.K. Subban, like Brad Marchand, and we need excellent guests like Chanel. So make sure to go follow her on Twitter. Hit a like. We're going to wrap it all up. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We'll be back on um, There's a Game Thursday? Question mark? I think they're playing the LA Kings. <laughs> Either way, come back for the next game. And uh, once again, thank you so much, Chanel, for being an excellent guest. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Salut tout le monde. Game